just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Hey, it's lead producer Emily Means filling in for Ali Vallarta, and here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Sometimes it feels like we are so alone in this housing crisis, but our neighboring cities are dealing with the exact same thing. Look at Park City! They've got some ambitious projects in the works. So, with ski season quickly approaching, Ali Vallarta checks in on the state of housing and other ways our neighbor to the east is changing. It's Monday, August 28th, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Parker Malatesta, reporter for KPCW. The last time we talked about Park City's affordable housing crisis, the city was reviewing some real feel-good projects. Can you give us a bit of a refresher and a sense of how far along they've come? Yeah, so I think... The main one to bring up would be the Homestake Affordable Housing Project. This is currently a very random triangle parking lot. (laughs) And they've since really moved forward with it. And construction, I believe if all things go through, can start later this year or next year. Um, But really to understand, it it was a public-private partnership. So, you know, this was a city-owned land and they have leased it to a developer for 99 years for $1 a year. Okay. You may say, why, why are they leasing that land, you know, very valuable Park City land for that cheap? But in return, they're getting, this developer is going to build 124 total units, but 99 of those will be affordable. And just for to note the affordability of it, it'll be capped at 60% of area, Summit County's area median income, which for perspective, for a single person, that's $62,000 a year for their annual income. And a one-bedroom apartment, an affordable apartment, would go for $1,500. Wow. That's... So not necessarily cheap, right? No. <laughs> but for Park City... $62,000 a year is... I mean, I guess, yeah, you have to imagine that the AMI in Park City is pretty high overall, but that's... a Good ass salary. Totally. You know, it's worth noting too. I think they found doing the research for it that currently about 20% of renters in Park City pay over 50% of their income towards housing. Right. So, but I think something to bring up regarding this project that's kind of since come into the fold since we last talked is this lot where they want to build this housing is directly adjacent. I mean, literally the only thing separating it is a chain link fence. It is Rocky Mountain Power's main electric substation for all of town, really. You know what they look like. They're kind of those industrial, scary looking things. Yeah. And I had to file a public records request and I actually found out that the chair of our planning commission, which for people who may not know, that's kind of the second behind the city council, you know, kind of the board that has the second most authority, especially over development, the chair of that board wrote a letter to the mayor and council saying, hey, I don't think you should build this because I don't think it's safe <gasps> because of the electric magnetic fields and the exposure those will have on the residents living there. 
And there was one city council member that was, uh, you know, ardently opposed to it solely on the EMF exposure grounds. But the rest of the council supported the project. But since that approval, there have been indications from the mayor that that substation may be relocated in the future. And that's something they had looked at years past. But it's especially they want to relocate it because we're going to probably need more power in that thing in the future as we grow, right? So like the voltage and the exposure, I'm not going to act like I'm an EMF expert, (laughs) but uh, they're going to look to relocate that. But for now, the developer plans to build a big wall and buffer to try to separate it between the apartment complex. But that apartment uh, development is a full go. So what's the completion timeline again? Like construction potentially by the end of the year, housing people by end of next year? I want to say optimistically, it could potentially house people starting 2024, 25 winter. So this is 99 units. Do you have a sense of how many units are needed in Park City right now, like in Park City proper to meet the housing need? The city council had set a goal um, a few years back of building 800, <laughs> I believe, by 2026. And, you know, they think based on just the number of workers that commute into town every day, like the demand is there to fill them up. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, with this project and with a lot of other projects, there's just like this incredible sense of emergency of like, just build, like we need to just create units. Yeah. Um, we're just going to continue to bleed workforce and other people around town. 800's a lot. I mean, here in Salt Lake, our goal, Marin Mendenhall's goal is 400 right now over the next, I think, like year out of that $6 million they just allocated. Okay. But like 800 is a lot in a small, small town of Park City. Huh. Okay. Well, there's this other project that's on the horizon. Do you Are you all calling it the HOPE? The HOPA project, H-O-P-A? Yeah, the HOPA. The HOPA, okay. Yeah, it stands for uh, Holiday Village and Parkside Apartments. And these are two affordable housing developments that have been around Park City, I believe, since the 70s or 80s. They're very old buildings. They're located pretty close to the high school. If you ever drive by them, you can see them from kind of the main road. Yeah. I think it's 120-ish units. And their redevelopment has been approved. And they want to add about 200 units. And with that... The buildings will be completely modernized. You know, I mean, they'll look a lot better when they're finished in like a real modern apartment building. Um, I think a few things with this to point out, they're going to do a phase construction process in which the current residents that are living in affordable housing, and a lot of them have been there for a very long time, and also more than half of them are either elderly or disabled. And they're doing it in this phase process so that They can continue to live in housing. I don't know exactly how they're going to do it, but like, I guess, build a little bit, move them over, work on another section. So everybody that's currently living there will remain housed. But really, the more fascinating piece is they got the project approved with a 20% parking reduction. So, you know, the city code, you know, says if you're going to build X amount of units, you need to produce Y amount of parking. But they they said, no, we want to cut down on that. And, you know, obviously try to incentivize people to use public transit and bike Um, But with this project, they're actually going to have two lists for prospective tenants. And so when you sign up to try to get into this affordable housing, you can either be on the car list or the no car list. And I believe they'll ask you if you want to live without a car, if you can, and that might expedite being able to live there. Hmm. So they're really trying to make an active effort 
to get people to live without cars. And that's the same thing for Homestake too. It's they're very centrally located and it's it's not unreasonable to think someone can live without a car. No, especially given that there is a chunk of Park City's workforce that needs to be housed that is seasonal. And like a lot of those people are international. They're probably arriving without a car in the first place, right? Like if you're working a lift totally. for the winter or something, then that's not as big of an ask as being a year-round resident in a mountain town without a vehicle. That feels like a bigger ask. Yeah, and I do want to emphasize that, you know, from my view of both these projects, I they're more they're appealing to long-term residents. Oh, okay. Cuz I think that's an interesting switch they have to think about is we, you know, there's obviously people that we want to house long-term that can live here and contribute to the community, but also there's this, if, whether it's teenagers from Argentina or wherever that come in for the winter to work short-term, there needs to be more of a solution for them as well. Yeah. Do you think the city is just hoping that big employers like Vail, like Park City Mountain, will take responsibility for housing their seasonal workers and the city won't have to necessarily be Investing in that as much, they can focus on building a long-term workforce. Yeah, I will give a plug to Vale. I believe they contributed. I'm not going to say the amount because I'm not exactly sure, but I know they contributed some level of money to Mountainlands Community Housing Trust, who's developing the HOPA project. Hmm. So they are funding that on some way. Um, and I know Deer Valley is actually planning to put in an application for a spot in a pretty similar location to, I think, develop, I know it's at least over 100 units strictly for a workforce. And actually, Deer Valley started a program in partnership with Mountain Lands this past winter. They just did it for the first time, and I believe they're going to do it again, where they offer season passes for people that provide housing to workers. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, 
Explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. On the affordable housing front in Park City right now, how optimistic are you? (laughs) You know, we've got a few people. We've got a city council race this year, three open seats for a five-person council, and there are some folks that are running, not sure if they'll be elected, but that do actively live in affordable housing. And I think it's been a main point in their campaign that they understand the needs. And I, you know, someone had brought this up at a recent discussion, and I think it's kind of the real crux of the problem with affordable housing here is I feel like it's designed, right, in a pure sense. Affordable housing is supposed to be a thing that you move into and you build up enough wealth and maybe you can buy a house or, you know, move on. You mm-hmm. don't need to live in an affordable unit anymore. But people here, they move into affordable housing and they're like, they plan to live there forever because that's not the median home price here is almost four million. It's not like people are going to like accumulate enough wealth and just like buy a house in Park Meadows. Like it's not. Right. So it, it's I think that's the thing that leads me maybe not to be as optimistic and probably is driving this need to just create, create, create units because there there's not a lot of people moving out of affordable housing. I mean, three seats currently open on the city council. It sounds like there are some people in these races that could potentially shift the direction of the city over the next few years because they have yeah. a different perspective. At the same time, two council members that are leaving have expressed support for raising property taxes hmm. in order to fund affordable housing um, and also childcare. That's become a big thing around here too, is funding local childcare. But I'm not sure if that's a palatable thing for the rest of the council members or who will be in office. Well, on that note, is it true that there are no women in those races? It is it is a sausage fest race. <laughs> oh my There's, god. We have we will have one woman on the council come January. Okay. Well, you brought up Deer Valley and speaking of ambitious projects, they've got this ski beach proposal. Can you please explain for uh those of us in the valley what a ski beach is? <laughs> You know, to start, I understand Deer Valley is a bit a bit niche, mm-hmm. um, not the easiest place to afford to ski. Um, but for those who have been up there and who may not know it, you know, for one, Deer Valley is kind of tucked away in this little, really just surrounded by mountains. It's kind of in this own little village in itself, just surrounded by uh, nature. Um, but right now, you know, you kind of have your normal base area. I mean, it's pretty minimal. There's not much going on there. You know, there's kind of the lodge and and you have the two lifts that take you up the mountain. And it's really just a giant parking lot. There's a massive parking lot. It's the biggest free parking lot in Park City. And they want to, so they have these two lifts at the base. They want to pull these two lifts into where the parking lots are now. Okay. And pretty much around those lifts just want to construct a massive village of whether that's hotels, condos, restaurants, bars, you know, give it an opera experience. Um, But really the big sticking point is they need the city to grant them a right-of-way vacation. So what that means in English is there's currently a road that goes around the base and Deer Valley needs the city to give them that road so they can build on that road, right? And really, I mean, the Deer Valley neighbors have have not been supportive. It's been very much like we just feel like we're going to get overrun. And uh, granted, Deer Valley's produced a traffic study that says 
their project will bring an extra like 3,500 cars to Snowpark Daily, which also for people who don't know, there's it's one two-lane road that connects Deer Valley to the rest of Park City. And that's the only way to get in and out to go back to Salt Lake or wherever. And it's a Park City traffic problem too, because even after you leave Deer Valley, just the congestion is so bad. So people have been very against it. But an interesting nugget is, I think as some people may know, is the Mayflower Resort that's currently being developed on what is really the backside of Deer Valley. It's right along US 40, across from the Jordanelle Reservoir. And Deer Valley President and CEO Todd Bennett has spoken very optimistically about partnering with Mayflower as like they would operate it. It was it would essentially become an extension of Deer Valley. And obviously a polarizing factor in that is that it would mean no snowboarding because Deer Valley is one of three resorts in the country that doesn't allow snowboarding. Huh. But potentially if they did partner it, it could really solve the traffic problem in a way because people could then access Deer Valley from US 40, from that backside. And it would, I've been told that Bob Wheaton, the former head of Deer Valley for years and years, used to see that as the potential front door for its future. So it could tie it all together. Well, we'll have to see. There's a big decision to be made. Quick update. Since we recorded this conversation, that decision has been made. Deer Valley announced it will operate the Mayflower Resort. Parker reports the agreement adds 1,200 parking spots. Deer Valley officials say they're hopeful the new ski access will ease traffic within Park City. TBD, though. It's funny to see Deer Valley kind of stepping out because, I mean, for so long, it's been so quaint. And, like, even thinking about how it was, like, where they filmed a lot of scenes in that terrible Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie, (laughs) Falling for Christmas, where it's, like, you're supposed to believe that Deer Valley is basically a one-room schoolhouse. And now, like, being on the Icon Pass, which is basically the, like, a skiing punch card sort of thing that makes some of these places more accessible, like, do you think that Things like the Icon Pass, which people often point to for the growing popularity of skiing in Utah, do you think that has contributed to Deer Valley, like kind of stepping into this evolution? Yeah, I think people have certainly noticed it, especially last year with Park City. You know, Park City Mountain implemented parking reservations and it it really was successful. Um, and some people kind of turned their attention and felt like it was kind of the icon crowds coming to Deer Valley this year. Um, And interesting enough, you know, you kind of have to watch these companies and see what moves they make because they can kind of tip you off to how they're feeling. And Deer Valley this year is requiring reservations Mm. for Icon Passes. And I know that's not a huge thing. I know Brighton does it, but it's kind of an indication of like, okay, they felt the need to tighten the belt a little bit. Yeah. Well, you brought up traffic. We've got a projected opening date now for Park City Resort, November 17th. Very exciting. Feels early, but maybe I'm just (laughs) sad that summer's ending. Seasonal workers and seasonal residents are going to be headed back to town. Sundance is on the horizon. Whenever we talk to you, traffic always comes up. Can the city afford to be clogged for winter construction with all of these projects? Yeah, I think, well, for one, I'll just bring it back to the park and ride stuff. So this is really the philosophy, I think, of building parking lots outside of town and getting people to park there and then busing them in. It's, I, I think it's really turning into the objective. Um, and they've really been more, the bigger lots have been more focused on the US 40 side. I think there needs to be some kind of solution over by Kimball for those coming up from Salt Lake. Yeah. And you know what? Okay, a big thing to mention is 
it's still in the works and years until it's finally finished, but kind of a partnership between UDOT, Summit County, and the city as well is they're going to be putting in bus rapid transit on State Route 224, which is the road connecting I-80 from Salt Lake to Park City proper. Yeah. So that means you can get on a bus at Kimball and that bus can just ride on the side lane and pass all the traffic and get you to town faster. So I think that's a, you know, hopefully people see that and want to jump on the bus as well. Parker Malatesta, reporter for KPCW. Thank you for your time. It's always fun checking in with you. Yeah, thank you. It's fun talking with you all. If you're visiting Park City anytime soon, might I suggest taking the bus? Say hello to High Valley Transit. The Utah Transit Authority used to have a route between Salt Lake and Park City, but that was permanently discontinued during the recent August change day. The High Valley Transit bus goes from downtown Salt Lake City all the way up to Kimball Junction. Now, I gotta be honest, the schedule isn't the most convenient, but... It's fair free, and the scenic drive up Parley's Canyon is way better when you're not worried about getting smushed between two semi-trucks. Enjoy the ride. That's all for us today on CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Bye.